For the fifth time, I and a bunch of friends made the trip to Boston, Massachusetts for the annual mega gaming convention known as PAX East. So what new things awaited us in this year's incarnation? What games, events, or panels left a lasting impression long after the high-energy haze and energy drinks wore off? In this year's event, what are we looking forward to the most? So listen in as we share our experiences of the annual Penny Arcade Expo, next on Downloadable Content. everyone, welcome to Downloadable Content, I'm Brian, and with me we have Shanna. Hi! We have Wyas. Good evening. We have Reed. And making his first ever appearance, we welcome Jonathan to the fray. Don't, don't all jump at once. Pax! 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 It's, 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 it's gonna be the new con! But yes, we're going to be talking about our, our experiences at PAX East 2016 on this episode, the annual recap. So before we dive into all of that, just want to remind everyone that every single episode of downloadable content can be found on our shiny, non-pollutionary website, www.dlcpodcast.com. You can find all the episodes, get bios. See what we look like, well, at least most of us. Some of us are still just disembodied voices. So, every single episode can be found there. So, you can drop us a line, give us some feedback, give us suggestions for future episodes, or let us know if you want to be on an episode. So, all of that's there. Again, www.dlcpodcast.com. So... Let us dive right in. Uh, we are, again, joined by Wyatt, who is the, the representative from Sprites and Dice on this episode. I know he, John, and Eric were running around like crazy getting interviews and scored a good number of them. Yeah, no, this year was really, really big for that. Um, every year we grow a little bit bigger in terms of that line between going there just as participants and having a great time and then also getting to write in with with people that are developers and talk directly with them so uh every year is different for me it's kind of uh what would be the best analogy snowball going downhill where it just picks up traction every year and and so does you know I feel that with each year, there's just more and more stuff to take in. I mean, I swear that the indie floor gets bigger and bigger each year. Yes, it absolutely does. I mean, this year now, I remember, I remember when, you know, when we got to the floor, you know, there was, you had the main indie, you know, booth areas, but then there was a section for uh, Australian indie developers. There was a small group there. 
and there was an indie tabletop, and it was just, I was like, what? There were a lot of things to gawk at. Well, it felt well, like the indie tripled in size from last year. It, it, it felt like it. Well, something that happened was, um, so, you know, the Indie Mega Booth kind of became a huge deal two years ago, right? Where it was just that massive section of about like 80 to 100 different or even more of different indie booths right next to each other. We always talked about that, I know, where it's great because you can go right down one row and see five or six games in half an hour or an hour rather than wait on the line for two hours. Um, but last year, what happened was that there were indie companies that couldn't get into the indie mega booth or they came in in their own group. And those indie groups now kind of go around the indie mega booth. <laughs> so it just keeps growing outwards in size like boxes within boxes. And yeah, there were some rows on there. I had some time to myself and I'm going down and realize, wait a second, I haven't even been down this path before. What the Does it just keep rearranging like Hogwarts here? I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I finally got to PAX, I mean, it, it took, I mean, I know why you were in the line like two and a half hours before it opened, but maybe, maybe. Um, but when I got to PAX, I had gotten off the subway at around 1030. And the first thing I noticed was the new security measures that they had started uh, this year. Oh, Lord. Yeah. The, the, the first year where they had metal detectors at every single entrance. Yep. Naturally, it was the first year I had things strapped to me with bolts and wrenches and everything else in them, so... Oh, yeah, so you were just... You, you were, you know, the poster child for everything. Oh, forget it. And then there were the food trucks outside, so every time you... I tend to wear a belt that's covered in metal studs, so, like, it got to the point where literally the woman at the one back entrance just knew who me and Nikki were when we kept coming back, like, oh, come on already. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, it's just the belt. <laughs> Luckily, they fixed that problem. You know, they made it much more organized on the second and third day. But on that first day, I got off the subway and the line extended from the main entrance to the subway stop because uh, of of all of the, the issues. But again, they, they fixed that and it was much more organized and coherent on day two and three. But the first uh, game that I got to experience once I finally made it to the expo floor was a nice little game that is now on my Steam wishlist, as many of these are now. Uh, Moonshot, which I don't know if any of you got to to, um, to see this game or play this game, but basically it, it's, it's a mashup uh, of basically Angry Birds in Space meets Smash Brothers. What? <laughs> with... Like, with Just... You know, with 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 these like you're you're playing in these space tanks and you're trying to you know uh, you know blow everybody up kind of like smash and you have there there are space physics involved so there are these little like planet bodies on the screen that you could try to use to your advantage with you know gravity swinging around them and whatnot. Um, it's uh, you, you know, it made me also partially think of the game Worms. Uh, and also a very, very old DOS game for Windows 95 called Scorched Earth. I don't know if any of you have oh, heard yeah. of that or played yeah. it. And just all of this shiny, explosive stuff. I mean, the controls are, are a little bit we're, you know, a little bit difficult to get used to because, again, unlike Smash Brothers, you're in space. So there are things that you have to consider, like, mm, no gravity. 
That sounds fun. <laughs> it, it was a lot of fun to demo. It, it is it is in early access on Steam. That, that was a lot of fun. That was the first game that I had uh, gotten to play because I'm like, this is fun. I like Angry Birds. I like Smash Brothers. Let's see this. Really actually seemed to be a big theme that was going along most of the games. A lot of them seem to have early access Steam uh, deals and sales for their games. That's really interesting because I actually ran into the opposite. Really? Um, well, maybe that was because a lot of my a lot of my um, focus was going to different indie games, and when I finally had some time myself later on, I was going and looking for games that were a single player turn-based game and story and i talked with a lot of small developers that said that they had tried early access before and now they know what works for early access and a lot of them that do are multiplayer games are games where there's more than one player but a lot of the ones that i was i'm um, talking with like perception which did anyone play that game no, i didn't get to sadly not curses um but that one they're going to go directly into access because it's a single player game so i noticed that um there's a lot more a lot of developers that are taken into account, they're not just going, yay, early access. There's, there's people that are very specifically doing it that way because of the type of game. That was just for me anyway. It, it seemed like I was I saw at least a couple of games that were offering free or cheaper access to their multiplayer mode version of their game. Mm-hmm. I, like, I think I got uh, Guns of Icarus. They had a multiplayer thing they were showing last year they sent me a code for it but uh, they have a you know single player coming out soon and that's what they're really trying to push by giving you access to the multiplayer oh and I, 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 forgot, to, I forgot to mention that uh, Moonshot is by uh, Pump Action Games that's the studio so uh, that, that name though that sounded familiar wide I, I think I I must have passed it. Uh, Perception was right near where Moonshot was. And Moonshot, I didn't get a chance to play just because um, I was very distracted this weekend. And I'll talk about that more later. But um, one game I managed to stop by on first thing on Friday, or right after the first thing on Friday, was Perception, which is an awesome by a um, previous Bioshock developer. So I know that's going to grab your ear, Brian, immediately. Yes. Um, They wanted to do a single-player horror game. And the great thing about this game is that you are playing someone who's blind. You just go play on. by sound. <laughs> so the way, the way it works, which is really cool, there was a trailer they put up a while ago, and it got a huge amount of press, because I believe there was a Kickstarter behind that. But they, they were showing it off here at the convention um, as, as, a full, as a full kind of demo. And what it is is that you are a woman who is, or a girl who's been blind since birth, I believe, or blind in an accident. I didn't get a chance to hear that myself. But the way you play is that when you're walking, your footsteps create echoes in the house. And if you stomp your foot, which is a you know particular button, or hit something, it causes reverberations. And you can see the outline of everything of so that like echolocation around your area. Wait, you get to be cool. Daredevil? There's certain things... Yeah, you kind of get to be Daredevil, yes. Um, which is, I think there are some people that we're saying that quite often, and by the end of, like, midway through Friday, I could see people that were like, yes, it's like Daredevil, shut up. Um, <laughs> Funny oh, thing good. is, I, I thought of, that um, person for our group. I-, I thought of Ray, actually, when you said that, you know, the biopic where there's the part where 
you know, Jamie Foxx is Ray's talking about when he walks and he hits his foot against something and he can tell if a room's hollow or if it's a door. Right. Same kind of concept, yeah. A little bit like that. There there are some things that you can see. Um, like so like there was one point place where you kept going by a fireplace and it was this these bright blue flames that you can kind of see. So there was areas that were highlighted with color that were like supernaturally based or something that you could see without sight. Things like that. And one of one of the kind of really cool things about the game is that the more noise you make, the more the creepy things in the house know where you are. So good luck with that. That's cool. I remember where I heard about this game. Um, it was in the most. Re it's in the current issue of Game Informer. Perception was also at the Game Developers Conference. Right. Which is that's um, that's why I remember it from. One thing that was really kind of really funny about this, and this is not this is nothing to reflect on the developers. Cause this was really funny. So I'm watching Alton and my brother play. My brother was uh, his first time at PAX, and so what we did first thing Friday is we went to Overwatch by Blizzard because I had never been to a Blizzard booth in all my years there just because I didn't want to wait on the line by myself or I wasn't sure people would enjoy it but I ended up having a lot of new people with me that really wanted to play a Blizzard game because a lot of Blizzard fanboys like myself so we finally got to play Overwatch for the first time uh, my team got wrecked just absolutely destroyed because I had an entire team of brand new people and the other guys on the other side were like oh yeah we've been in the beta for like a month so we just got creamed um, we moved on from there. We went to doing some indie games around the side. We played Brawlhalla and then we went to Perception. And so I'm at Perception with Alton and my brother. And Alton's having a good time. I'm watching my brother. And you can see all the screens have these, they're all almost pitch black and you get those echoes of the outlines of things in the blue. And all of a sudden I look over at my brother as I'm talking to one of the developers doing a small interview with him, just kind of getting taking some notes down. And my brother's screen is bright red. And I noticed this at the same time the developer noticed it and goes, well, that's that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> and she runs Oops. over as I see a large ghost-like spectral thing fly in and murder my brother on the screen. <laughs> and she's like, no, they're not supposed to die. This is the demo. We, we, we made it that it's safe. You're not supposed to be able to die. Whoops. <laughs> Apparently, I had to play the demo like two or three times. And, and he ended up becoming like a bug tester for them right there on the show floor. And he actually thought it was really cool that he got to do this. And they're, they're watching him play. They're like, how the hell did you get yourself killed in a safe demo? Um, apparently there was a button or something like that, which changed it from the debug mode into the full length. Welp, we're taking off the restrictions like halfway through the game. And so it phased him. It phased him in where, all, where, where the bad guys got murdered. This isn't really happening. <laughs> but no, it looks like it, that game was really awesome because and that's one reason why I like the, that indie booth is you had Moonshot within, what, uh, three different booths away from Perception and they're totally wildly different games. Um, again, uh, it's one thing I'll, I'll say right off the bat. I wish I had, had more time just for myself to walk, play the demos. Uh, yeah. All righty. Anyone else, Shanna, Reed, or Jonathan, want to jump in with a game from day one? Sure. I'm not going to jump in yet, because usually day one for me is my scoping out day. Is kind of where I see where I'm going to go. All right. But I don't quite make it yet, so All right. I'll, I'll, I'll jump here. Reed, go on. All right, so after uh, my path started out somewhere as white with... Uh, Overwatch, because that seemed to be one of the games there that had uh, 
any like weight to it. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys had the same feeling, but it didn't feel like there was any like really, really major AAA games this year other than the two MOBAs, Paragon and Overwatch. Uh, Not really, no. Battleborn. Battleborn was trying to make a big splash. True. Another MOBA, but yeah. yeah. But anyway, so uh, we played, uh, literally, we got in line, Wyatt and his group and me and uh, another gentleman, Adam, and we went up to play, and that was the last I think I saw Wyatt till later that evening. He just disappeared into the packs. He, uh, he the does packs that. Either. He does that. He just phases oh. phases out, and then suddenly you're at the concert, said, hey, where the hell were you? Pretty much. But uh, so, I mean, after Overwatch, I kind of uh, did a walkthrough, trying to make my way back to the um, city of Boone. And then I found and got into playing, uh, actually, the Doom beta. Uh, because it was right there, and my intention wasn't to play it originally. I was going for their store. Uh, I ended up finding myself in line for the the Doom multiplayer beta, which was uh, not very Doom feeling. It it felt really like I was playing uh, maybe Halo Two. It was kind of weird. They had a, a amazing setup there where you could get your pictures with some of the weapons and this giant cyber demon statue thing. And uh, the general consensus, just talking people in the line there and everything, was like, you know, it's it's a Halo game. I mean, again, this was their beta for, I guess, their multiplayer aspect of it. So, yeah. Also, uh, keeping in mind that you know, with the original Doom, we didn't have a th anything called online multiplayer. So, this is true. I mean, with the original Doom, we were lucky if we got stairs at times. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, in the original Doom, that you know, that's that's the game where all of our parents were going, oh, blood and violence, and our kids will turn into killers, and ah. So. That was me and my dad's bonding time. Hey, hey, you know. My mom hated him for it. <laughs> there was a reason they were divorced. <laughs> I get a long fights. Well, all righty. Uh, so, Jonathan, anything jump out at you? Uh, first day, I'm not going to lie, it's a bit of a haze for me right now. Yeah, you were I a little bit weighed down, weren't you? I had three new people to introduce to PAX in my friend group um, that kind of were a bit overwhelmed. I tried to explain the cue to them. They, we had a very complex messed up. We've we got to fix that next year, but... Um, I think first day, I, I I really only got to play, or I at least remember playing um, <sighs> Infectinator Survivor. I tried to do their challenge, get a free Steam key. It did not succeed. Very difficult game. It was a lot of fun, though. But I think that's already out, isn't it? Or, yes, that's been out. So they were just uh, they were just showing their game off. It wasn't a, a new release. Um, Turns out I'm not all that great at RTS style games. No. That's all right. Neither am I. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what really killed me about it. Oh, I got to click over here. They automatically shoot. It, it was a lot of fun. I just I'm not good at it. I would I will die over and over again playing that game and have a blast, but I would probably never do well at it. Alrighty. In that case, Shanna, you said you have a little story. Yeah. So um, I too actually was 
I don't want to say I was introducing some friends to PAX, but you know, I was hanging out most of my Friday with, as you guys know, uh, Nikki and Mark at PAX. It was their first time there, and they just came on Friday. Uh, so I was kind of just. I was just like, all right, yeah, I'll hang with you guys and like, you know, have that first day experience. And one of my favorite spots to always hit up is the, is the classic arcade room. I always mm -hmm. love that. I mean, it's a little, I think people sometimes forget it there because it's not anywhere near like, you know, the main expo floor. And most people only venture off to go to panels and such like that. But it's kind of in a little back room. And it's a room that they basically designate to look like a big 80s arcade. And there's just all sorts of old uh, console, or not even consoles, old like cabinet games there. It's really fun. Yes. So, um, you know, me and Nikki and Mark wandered into that. And I think Nikki and I played maybe the saddest session of Double Dragon you've ever seen anyone play <laughs> in your life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the... I think the console might have been a little busted, and besides that, and just being very rusty at that game, we just we couldn't like we kept losing each other. We kept being like, "Why can't we move forward?" Because I'm stuck back here. There was a lot of uh, friendly punches that we didn't mean because we're like, "Wait, no, isn't that one of the enemies?" No, you're <laughs> just. I, you know, sometimes you like, you know, you get so immersed in new games, and then you go back to old games, and you forget just how ridiculous they are, and the idea of just accidental friendly combat but we had a really good time just sitting around and playing double dragon for a little bit but yeah it, it wasn't cute <laughs> that that's that's yeah i i got i made it into the arcade on the second day so i'll get there when we get there uh john back to you I, yeah i i can't i i I'm just trying to get my days in order. I couldn't remember which one was which, but uh, first day, the game it's that really yeah. I got to play on first day that I loved. Uh, did anybody else get to play Hob? Mm -mm. I, I saw it. <laughs> oh, yeah, they had it on the screen outside, and that's what drew my attention to it. But I got to mm -hmm. play it over, uh, I think it was next to the uh, PAX Arena. Yeah, I wanted uh, to play that. Um, one of my writers had to fight for that because we had to split up. But yeah, it looks amazing. Oh yeah, it was a blast. It's a, like it's got a top down, a bit of a top down view to it. It's a, a sort of a, an adventure game. You go around and you fight a couple of things, but it, the world is a puzzle. Is the best way I could explain it. Is you, you, as you're moving things around, you you click them into place, and and the world has cogs built into the scenery that uh, things will just shift around and and move, uh, and and they they you know you, you start in one area. Uh, you're looking around. You're like, "Why is there a hole in that tree?" Uh, and after going further out into the uh, into the level and and looping around a couple of times, uh, you know, you, you pull this uh, this block out, move it up on a platform, and it, and it suddenly lifts up into that area you were before. You push it into that hole in the tree. The tree drops down, and a new platform rises up, and and suddenly you can get to an area that you didn't even know was going to be an area uh, later. Uh, the art style was great. The just um, just the feel, the the way the the level was uh, constantly transforming as you you know pushed through each puzzle was I don't know it was it was a lot of fun. I, I had a blast playing that, and I, I I think I'm gonna have to get that one when it comes out too. That sounds like a lot of fun, actually. So I might have to add that to the to the pile of pending games. There was another game on day one um two of them that i i ended up playing one was uh they bill it as a cyberpunk action rpg called it's called defragmented 
Uh, this was hanging around uh, toward the edge of... It, it, it was on the outer edge of the expo floor. And it's a, it, the demo was really, really difficult. It immediately reminded me of the top-down views that you would have of Metal Gear Solid. And it, it, it also reminded me a bit of uh, Shadowrun Returns. That's not a bad thing. No, I, I'm playing. I'm, I'm in the middle of playing Shadowrun Returns, and I'm, I'm liking it. But uh, you know, the goal is in this demo. It was you, you know to get through each level, you had to kill all the enemies. But uh, you are, you know, you're. It, it's very, very brightly colored. Like the bullets look like they fire neon. Is it like turn-based? No, it, it's it's, it's it's an action RPG. So it, ah, okay. it's, it's there's no turn-based combat. Like I said, it the presentation is is kind of like Metal Gear Solid, where it's top down. You see the enemies from you know, and if you if you shoot an enemy, then all the other ones get alerted to your presence. That was interesting. And then there was um, this one is a more traditional RPG called Y Two K. Which, uh, which, yeah, which, they, which they call the as which they call it the postmodern RPG. I think they had a. They were there last year too. And last year too, but they didn't have a, a full playable demo. I don't believe they didn't. This time they do, and so you're playing as in the demo. You're playing as a few characters who are trying to search for a missing girl. And your main character, his he uses uh, records, vinyl records to attack. Another character uses a keytar to to attack. Lead singer Ferdinand? <laughs> no. Does this take place in Brooklyn or what? <laughs> it's got a bit of an Earthbound vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah, a little. Uh, John. Glover, my co-writer, and a few other of those writers, they spent like a long time talking with those guys because they were really enchanted by it. So, again, I didn't touch it myself, but a lot of people that I was hanging out with throughout the day said really good things about that. I'm looking forward to that. I had uh, inadvertently run into, not run into, last year there was a panel of, you know, talk. it had voice actors in it and one of the voice actors for Y2K was on that panel because she was the voice of a character in another indie game that I've played called Dust. So I'm looking forward to this game because I do love me a good RPG. Um just trying to think of anything else on day one before we jump to day two. Well I got some for on day one. Alright, go on. Why I didn't want first? to take away. So, like, that, that first run was... It, this was a really rough PAX for me in a good way because I had four new people that I was kind of trying to escort around and show the ropes of PAX. Um, my kind of elevated or you know, new, growing duties as running um, Sprites and Dice, which we had five people there. So <laughs> that was really, really interesting. I didn't see my writer Dana, except for one interview that we shared on Saturday. And that was it. Like I didn't see the rest of the entire time because he was just running around getting work done. Um, John, I only saw during the concerts and at the very end when we were kind of comparing notes and, uh, 
spent a lot of time with uh, Adam, who's my editor, and it was first time. And one of the first things we did was that after I kind of got a little bit to the indie booth playing Perception with my brother and stuff like that, I broke off from him. And I went and did my first interview that I had set up with Robot Entertainment, also known as the guys behind Orcs Must Die. Did anyone actually hear? Didn't play it at PAX since I still have the uh, beta access from last year's, but it looked shinier. Yeah. Uh, anyone, anyone give it a shot? I did not. The only thing I got from the Orcs Must Die uh, booth were pictures of some of the ogres in costume. I got one picture of one of them holding up a sign that said "Legalize Mana Potion. Oh, I love those guys. <laughs> yeah. So they, they had a huge step, which is kind of interesting because Orcs Must Die Unchained has been out. They've been showing this game off for two years now at PAX. And they finally just put it into open beta on March 29th. So relatively recently, it kind of went into open showing for everybody. And when I got to talk with them, I got to actually have an interview you know, where they had their game set up with uh, my co- with my editor, Adam, and with their um, vice president of production, I believe. I might be getting that title slightly wrong. But Chris Rippey, he's the guy who's kind of been behind the Orcsman's Die series as a producer. And we, we got to talk with them for a while. And... It's really awesome to watch someone take such a good... Because they spent two years balancing and scaling it. So, like, if you decide to play this game, which is made for five-on-five, or, you know, five of you versus the computer, you can log in with just one friend, and they made the game sort of scales based on that. We proved that that while we were there, and that was really, really cool. And I also showed my friends afterwards, um, adding more characters. It's sort of a tower defense game that's... For the first two versions and then this version of unchained lets you play a tower defense with four other people or it turns which is really fun because then you've got the defense of traps and murdering hundreds of minions but you've also got to worry about heroes and attacking and it's really chaotic and really fun so i didn't really have to play the game myself for that but i really wanted to talk with the developers and i just want to kind of really state this for anyone who's thought about going to pax going to a convention the reason why you go to a convention is not to try out the new game. So all of that is definitely an awesome part. It's having the chance to actually hang out and talk with the developers and the producers and the artists and the people that made the game itself. Because when you get that chance to really see why they like their game so much, I mean, I fell in love with the game again just talking to this guy for half an hour about you know who his favorite hero was, where they wanted to go next. And the idea behind what, why they were there this year wasn't so much to show that they have a new game, was to kind of try to get more people interested, get more people like did live stream and YouTube videos to start trying to cover the game themselves, which was a big push by a lot of developers. Like they were looking specifically for people called content creators, looking for those people that do streams and Twitches and things like that. Um, So that was really, really cool. And then after that, I got to do, I think, one of my favorite portions of PAX, in some ways, was here. the brand new game by Supergiant. Ah, uh, yes. Which they had announced, what, two days before PAX? Yeah, exactly. So, that was really fun. Because I saw that they were going to have a big booth there, but last year they were showing off their stuff, selling their merchandise, letting you talk with them. And, you know, they're, they're a company that's made only two games previously, because they really care about them. So, Bastion and Transistor. And then two days ago, they're like, oh, by the way, so they're not two days ago now, two days before PAX, they just announced, oh, hey, we have a brand new game and we're going to have a playable demo. Do you want to come to PAX East? So (laughs) 
Uh, that line was very, very long, very, very quickly. And there's a good reason for that. Um, one of those reasons was because the demo was a good 20 to 30 minutes long. Yeah, every time I saw that line, I wanted to hide by one of the enforcers. Yeah, I wanted to get to to Super Giant's booth, but I was like, every time I went past it, I'm just like, yeah, nope, nope, just not, just, nope. So that's yeah. one of the really cool things about Super Giant games and actually World Entertainment. Um, I remember them at the first PAX I went to, 2011. And they had these small booths, like um, Robot Entertainment had like three or four computers. They were throwing t-shirts at people that went by going, come try our game out, we swear it's really fun! Like hoping people would like to play for the first time. And Bastion set up like set it up with this really cool lounge area. They were giving out their bandanas with the gear on it from Bastion for free if you played the game. And they had these lounge kind of couches for you to sit down on. And you could play right next to Logan Cunningham, who is the voice actor that kind of made them famous. And they were just like, yeah, play our game. It's going to catch on. And now you go to these conventions and Supergiant Games is not a big studio, but they always have like a two hour line. Yeah, at least. Um, so I did write an article about Pyre. So I'm not going to try to take up all of this time with it but it's really really good it's got this great kind of sports game sort of feel mixed with a turn-based rpg and it's all wrapped up in this this sort of mystical idea of the rights and you're trying to get yourself out of exile by performing in these games which are actually magic rituals um and the way you do it is by kind of taking this orb of power and scoring it into the enemy pyre which banishes people from the board um you use your auras of exile to just eradicate people off the face of the earth temporarily before they phase back into existence it's really smooth like they um when i got to speak with them um with eric we got an interview with greg Cassidy. hopefully i'm pronouncing that right sorry greg um, and he was, you know, for quite some time, and you can see it in this demo that they announced just two days ago, and they had a fully working demo. You could play several matches. You could see how you played in the overworld and moved your card around, and you had this mini game of kind of controlling your card and talking with your with the other people in your group. So it's not just you alone. This time you actually get to talk with other people. It's really, really good. It's going to be worth the wait. That's definitely one of the highlights in terms of why I like packs you get to see companies like that that grow over time they've got a great product and they've got a great presence where they give you your attention they actually are showing you something worthwhile they're not, it's not just like a five minute demo like oh hey buy your $60 game it didn't feel like that with Pyre it was worth it very good I am looking forward to that game when it comes out regardless so Supergiant is already two for two so I, I, I'm I, I'm I'm reasonably certain that they're probably going to go three for three, but we have a lot more to get to. So read. Ah yes. So after uh, my realization that all the people I was originally entering packs with disappeared, I went around a little bit and was able to find in uh, amongst like the big wake games and everything. Um, done by Perfect World. And Perfect World is one of those companies that I think comes up a lot in names because they seem to have more sort of obscure games like they do uh, The Forsaken World. Uh, they bought Cryptic Studios, I think, a couple years ago and now have the rights basically are the ones that do the Star Trek Online MMO. So they have a lot of MMOs, but this was a... This was a 
three-person co-op game similar to Alien Swarm, if anybody's ever played that before, um, back on Steam. I would take that as a no. So I have, actually. Sorry, I thought. Ah, uh, okay. Was, I like yeah. Aliens. Sorry, I have it. Well, give it a quick summarize. In LiveLock, you play one of three robots, basically. Uh, there's a backstory, something along the lines of humanity has realized terrible cataclysm was going to come, global warming or something. And uh, so they, they like upload their minds into robots, but over time, something goes like screwy with it all, and only three robots, semblance of like who they are and, and what's going on. Every other robot just turns on each other and starts destroying everything. So you play one of these three robots. It's a top-down co-op shooter, kind of, in a way, where you're going through a level with just swarms of enemy robots. The three classes that they have available now, I believe, in speaking with one of the developers, they were saying that there was plans on more uh, characters, but it would always be a, a three-person game. Um, but they had the typical kind of classes you have in a lot of games. There was one character, Hex, that was sort of the typical robot named Vanguard that was your tank type. And then there was a robot called Catalyst that was the female robot who was also the support bot. And they'll go live lock Catalyst. You'll get a good picture of that robot. But the, the ongoing joke once so like every player and once the devs and everything was do she have a booty? She do. Because that, that robot had junk in its trunk for sure. But it was really cool because like each robot had its own kind of abilities that would add to uh, you know help support or get more aggro stuff like that and you're just going through these these mobs of enemies it felt like a good kind of classic old grab a couple of your buds sit in front of the TV screen with Mountain Dew or so and just play through levels there was and it was one of the few games I can think of that I had seen there that wasn't on the indie floor, and uh, there wasn't a big PvP or lore to it. This was purely co-op. It was it was a great fun just sitting there playing through it. All right, cool. Uh, Shanna, you had another game. Yeah, um, actually, I've got a tabletop game. Ooh, uh, just, okay. That'll, yeah, that'll segue into what I my next thing. So go. Cool. I happened to wander across on Friday night and I had a lot of fun with, um, it's called Luchador and it's about exactly what it sounds like. It is a tabletop dice game where you are basically simulating a fight between, you know, a battle between two Lucha Libres and you pick your character, you know, there's cards and like each character has their specific, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses, certain moves. Um, and the whole thing, thing about it that I thought was really fun is that like you roll each person rolls four dice it's like a two-person game but there's like a little stage there's like a little wrestling ring that you roll the dice in and if one of the dice falls out you can't use that dice so you actually can't like messy roll <laughs> if that's a thing um but I don't know it was just a very quick fun game to pick up um for somebody who you know I used to be like a bit, a bit of a WWE fan back in the day and all that um it was just like, it, it pokes a lot of fun at, you know, kind of wrestling culture, but it's also really funny. Like there are times where like you might get a certain dice and you roll it and you just get a taunt. And it's basically just like, 
your character would be walking around the ring like staring down fans or whatever but um but i just i thought it was a really fun little tabletop game and especially like for me i like a tabletop game that you can sometimes just pick up and play so i wanted to give a shout out to that one because i thought that was fun it's it's yeah there was a lot there was a lot more invasion of tabletop into the expo hall floor this time around and that's really cool to see oh yeah that's that's a whole lot of fun now I have a very interesting story. I was over at the tabletop area, um, just taking a break for a few minutes. I was, you know, doing a lot of walking, so I just wanted to take take a breather. And I'm sitting at this empty table, and some guy just comes up and asks, you know, is anybody else, you know, sitting here? Is this reserved? I said, no. Pull up a seat. So he does, and he's like, do you want to play a game? And I said, okay. What do you got? And he pulls out a box, and it's a deck-building game called Star Realms. And I like deck-building games, so that got my attention. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hmm, yes, what do we got? And it's... I mean, a lot of deck-building games uh, take their rules from probably the granddaddy of deck-building games, which, you know, to me is Dominion. Because yep. a lot of a lot of the rules are the same, so I own all of Resident Evil. Thank you, Wyatt. And <laughs> and that game's a, now Resident Evil's a lot of fun, but Star Realms is not as involved. You are trying. What's the object of Star Realms? Is that you're trying to uh, be the realm that has the most authority by wiping out every other player. So you have uh, bases and power-ups and factions, and I found it very, very easy to learn and to pick up. You know, and I also think that if, if you're new to deck-building games, this is also, you know, a pretty good one to get into because there's not a whole lot of cards. I mean, just... Just the the standard base game. It's something like 128 cards, and it's it's two players. You can buy a bunch of different expansions, and the company that makes uh, Star Realms, White Wizard, was actually there at PAX, so you could talk to them about the game. You know what's it about? Buy the expansions. They ended up, uh, you know. I don't do things uh, in pieces. I like to go all or nothing. So I walked out of there with uh, the base game and ex- and like four expansions because I don't do things in halves. And in return, I showed this guy uh, a-, a game by Looney Labs that I had in my bag called Seven Dragons. Which is kind of like the tabletop equivalent of Dominoes. But with beautiful artwork. So this happens to me at least once every PAX where some stranger will impart some sort of something. A couple years ago, it was the Cards Against Humanity in oatmeal packets of bone meal. Oh, yeah, I forgot about those. <laughs> this year, it's just some dude who actually also happened to, uh, he works in downtown Albany. So it's like, hey, how about that? So... <laughs> Show me this. You made friends. Uh, yeah, I made a friend. <laughs> so that that was fun. 
And I also got to demo another tabletop game uh, called Bottom of the Ninth. I don't know if any of you like baseball. I might be the only one here who, who does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sport ball. Sport ball. But it's a tabletop game where uh, you play it. The, the premise of that game is that it's the bottom of the ninth. One player plays as the pitcher. The other plays as the batter. And the object is the pitcher either has to retire the side or the batter um, gets a walk-off win. So one of those has to happen. And you... You play by you know, the batter has to guess what the pitcher's gonna throw, and it's it's a lot of fun. And the and the little square uh, ballpark that you use for playing this game is modeled after Fenway Park, my favorite. Go Red Sox. So, uh, and the the guy who was demoing this game, the guy who was showing. Uh, he and I were just going back and forth on the uh, the Leslie Nielsen uh, naked gun references the entire time. <laughs> ah, yes. He and I, so anytime, anytime, like the player who was playing the pitcher would get get a strike. Yeah, yeah. strike two. Hey, hey, and just it was hilarious. Just going back, it's like ah, memories. Rest in peace, Leslie Nielsen. So. That was uh, that was probably one of my my highlights for day one. Um, <laughs> uh, Shanna, you said you have a star rums on. Oh, that's for day two. So we'll get to day two when we get to day two. Um, anyone else have anything? Yeah, though. Go. What you I did notice something kind of. Huh? Go on. I did uh, have a very interesting observation uh, at PAX this year, just talking about the uh, you know the tabletop section and all that. Um, one kind of interesting thing I noticed is the, you kind of notice the uh, a journey of gaming when you go to PAX. And when I say this, I mean, and you start at the front and you start at like the expo floor and all of the A tiles and stuff like, you see a lot of, you know, you see a lot of younger gamers, you see a lot more of the cosplay and all that, um, you know, and... I definitely start to feel like I feel my age a little bit because sometimes I'll walk in there, I'll be like, oh my God, everyone in here is into League. <laughs> it just wasn't my thing, but that's what younger games were going into. And I make my way back, make my way back, and then you get to the tabletop and people who are like maybe maybe 40 or older, you know? And it's it was an interesting thing to me because I'm like, in a way, that's where it all started. Like a lot of gaming culture, especially video game culture, goes back to you know, D&D &D and tabletop games of that type. And that was all, you know, really big in the generation I'd say that maybe came before us. So I don't know. It was just like an interesting observation I made kind of just walking around PAX and seeing like sort of people of all ages, but where these people were congregating. You know what I mean? I mean, you saw folks who were everywhere. Don't get me wrong. But like, I just definitely kind of noticed that like, kind of on the tabletop and you saw a lot more gamers who are maybe like middle-aged or younger gamers. Did anyone else notice that? That's generally the case from what I what I know. Like I know that when I would go to my local gaming store to play like tabletop miniature games. So that's where you you buy the miniatures, you paint them, you collect them, you put them out there. Um, yeah, like like war you have people like that. Yeah, so you'd have people that would have <clears throat> the collectible card games um, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, Match the Gathering. And a lot of times those crowds are younger. Like we're talking yeah. high school, moving into early 20s. 
Um, you'd have then you'd have I'd show up on the days where you have open board gaming night, and you'd actually have people there from all groups. You'd have a husband and wife there hanging out with people that were sixty or seventy, yeah. um, right next to people who are still in high school. And then I remember when we'd be playing Malifaux, right, Reed? Um, there were some groups that would play Flames of War, which is a historical role, which is a historical game where you're playing as, you know, you're playing as the Russians versus the English or the Russians versus the Germans in all these sorts of old games. And most of those guys were 50 or up. And they're, you know, they show up, they spend an hour just setting up the game and just talking with each other. They play the game. One of them goes, well, you kicked my ass. And put clean it all right back up again and they're just talking the whole time i think it's really kind of interesting to see which types of games or which also age age ranges are kind of attracted where um because there is definitely some preference i've noticed but at the same time what i really liked seeing at this pax was that there was a lot more merging so um yeah. soda pop miniatures guys behind um, super dungeon explorer they were there with back spindle games which were the guys that made luchador they were right there on the expo hall floor um so with so was an indie tabletop area. They were right there on the Expo Hall screen TVs. And so you are seeing a little bit more merging and kind of where it's okay. A lot of people said that 2015 was sort of the year of the board game, where board games suddenly showed back up. And everyone's like, oh yeah, I love Decan- um, Catan. Don't you know Catan is cool? And everyone's like, how the hell did this happen? You know? So it was kind of cool to see that reflected in packs. But, you know, it's all, it's kind of cool because it's all derivative, you know what I mean? Like, let's face it, we wouldn't have modern video games if it weren't for those tabletop games and those tabletop strategy games. I mean, things like Risk, even when you think about it. Absolutely. So it's kind of cool to see that all, I mean, it's obviously cool to see it all merged together on the floor like that at PAX, but like, it's also cool to see that, you know, yeah, you see those divisions, but you also do see people who kind of get pulled into both sides as well. Like, oh, okay, well, what's tabletop gaming like? Or, you know. Shanna, see two episodes ago. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't on that episode. <laughs> that was that was the uh, the D and D connection. At, that was the D and D uh, connection episode that Wyatt hosted. So th- we 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 dive into a lot more detail on that. But yes, it's absolutely correct. <laughs> so for further reference, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Citation needed. Um. So how many of us went to the Friday evening concerts? Did we all go? Yay. Uh, yes. yes. So, um, the, we, the night started off with Bit Brigade. <laughs> now, you, it? I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Bit Brigade is a band I love and hate. <laughs> I love and hate them because they play these speedrun games, games that I still haven't beaten in 25 years, but they do it so awesomely that it's like, you are so awesome, but fuck you to hell. Especially with this year's game, they speedran the original version, uh, Ninja Gaiden. Uh, Another game that I have just uh, i have resigned myself to the fact that i will never beat it but then here here comes this band getting through and i timed it 36 minutes no and the worst part of this damn part of it was that half of that was the story Cut they scenes. waited yeah. through the story filler you know and and the band is playing the music that's going on in those cutscenes as well so 
if you if you skip through all those cutscenes, yeah, half of that he would have gone through the game in 15 minutes. And after that show, I mean, I saw them on Saturday. I said, you know, I, I asked the uh, the guy, the player. I said, how many hours of rote memorization does it take? For you to get through that. And he's like, you know, I actually, I almost uh, died during that performance because I misjudged a projectile. And if I was one pixel off. Oh, wow. The science of speed runs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> so, but, but again, amazing show. And, um, and the music is great. Um, they did Metroid last year, and Metroid was a great game to show off, but some of the music can be very brooding and very slow in comparison. Metroid, uh, sorry, Ninja Gaiden in comparison is just speed metal the entire way through yeah. for the actual um, action sequences. Which is very fitting, because I read somewhere that some of the members of, um, of Bit Brigade used to be in a, um, in a band called Bear vs. Shark, which were like a heavier sort of band, so it lends itself very well. <laughs> Although, admittedly, and and Shanna Shanna's thought the same thing. I said because I when when they started the game, the first thing that pops up is the Tecmo logo, <laughs> and and for a split second, I saw them like they're speed running Tecmo Bowl. <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> they're speed running. Te- I mean, okay. I mean, there's not a whole lot of music in that, but all right. And then did you got? Like, oh yeah, duh, duh, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I recall your. Uh response brian when uh, the ninja gaiden screen came up and screams of anguish yes there was probably some cursing in there i think it was the most i've ever heard you curse when that like two minutes of just it's like okay I'm gonna let brian go on his tangent here yeah yeah because i cannot get past level six two i i can't do it and it's i, I and i'm not saying and after you know he, and this this asshole, he just come g- cuts goes right through the level, and then he gets to the boss and one hit because he has like the the power up that that particular boss is absolutely weak to. So it's like, ah, what dead? What makes it even better though is like he would do the one hit and then he would just hang out on the wall like, yeah, whatever, I'm done. I'm just gonna hang out on this wall. Yeah, yeah <laughs> just, just gonna hang out here while you know the points rack up for the next five minutes, and. But, you know, but a Bit Brigade is always fun to listen to. And they also, um, I don't know how, you know, how many of you listeners out there stayed in Boston. I mean, I didn't get to see because they were doing a show uh, the day after PAX. So that that Monday uh, in which they speed ran Mega Man 2. Um, and then after Bit Brigade was MC Frontalot, which, you know, that's a PAX staple. He's everywhere. Oh, He's, he's always there. Um, you know what? It's one of those things where I'm not a, I'm not always a huge rap fan. And so I love a few of his songs. So, you know, we, we sat around and I kind of used it as a decompressed time. But, you know, he, he put on a good performance. Uh, tongue-looking grammarian just because I'm an English major. Always makes me smile. Yep. So it was, it was good to hear all that again. And at, the, at that point, I had cut out to get something to eat. But then I came back and we got the closer... Uh, for the first time in two years, because they weren't there last year, because they were um, on Warp Tour for the entire thing, we got the Proto Men as the Friday Night Closer. Wait, they were on yes. the Warp Tour? Oh, somebody's vibrating over there. Somebody's just excited. 
Yes. Yeah, no, John. John's got something to say. I mean, up seven. Yeah, Jonathan, if you just if you just want to just fanboy for the next five minutes, uh, the floor is yours. Words. <laughs> Proto men closed out Friday. Feedback for a second. I'm like, so I, I, no, for me, so I, this is actually the first time I got to see the Proto men live, uh, oh, wow. which okay. was phenomenal. I've, I've listened to their their CDs and and I even love them, but their live show was just, oh, they know how to pump up the crowd. Their sound is so perfect for an auditorium. But uh, on top of that, before we knew they were playing at PAX. In December, I decided to do a Proto Man cosplay based off of the post-apocalyptic rock opera that they wrote. Uh, so when they announced it, I just, I it just, it was too perfect. <laughs> so uh, I, not only was the show great, and and I got to hear them for the first time and love it to death, but I was dressed for the occasion. In the only way that was well, it was perfectly appropriate, with uh, you know, whew. and were, were you the one with the with the uh, the, the mega blaster? No, no that was you mean the, yeah, no. There, I had my my friend made uh, helped me make the cosplay, and it was a uh, it was more styled after his proto blaster, the the, the chain gun style thing. Okay, because uh, no lighting up, nothing. Okay, was, because I mean. The, the concerts were, were streamed on Twitch. So, actually, if you want to relive that concert, I do I did have... twice. <laughs> I do have the link, you know, for, for that concert. <laughs> so, you know, I even though I had to leave again in the middle of the set, because I, I, I took the subway, so I had to, to leave before, you know, I would end up missing the train. But just from what I heard again, it, it said, you know what, I'll give these guys another chance. Because two years ago, when I saw them... I seem to remember that I could not hear the music over the throbbing bass. I, I really could not hear <laughs> the music over just how how loud, you know, the whole auditorium, the whole main theater. It was like being inside of a vibrator, and <laughs> and I'm like, why are That's my it. I'm like, That's why a fantastic am mental image. Why are my it's like my testicles are bouncing around here. What the hell is going on? Oh, and you know, like again, Jonathan, this is a very fine, sophisticated program. Sophisticated <laughs> program. So you know, but after listening to again their their you know the first like 30, 45 minutes or so, I I went back on day two and I said, you know what, I will give these guys another shot. And I actually did pick up a CD. So I was like, all right, I I, yeah. I I'm good because I know they have a. I know they're in the middle of working on a third album, Act Three. Working on that third album for a damn long time. Yes, they have. Well, Chinese democracy, anyone? <laughs> <laughs> but you oh, know, well, I mean, a couple years ago, I had when I went to PAX. You know, it was Grendel and Reed who were in my group, and I felt horrible at the fact that we had to leave halfway through their set. For the same I've never reason. forgiven you. And and, and I, I hope you got to see the entire thing this time around. Oh, I, no, this time around I did. And, and actually, this is my third time seeing them. I caught them a couple years ago. I went to Boston with uh, some other college buddies of mine. And uh, I think it was 
probably several months after PAX had occurred. And this was before I even went to a PAX. And they were playing like a little, you know, type of like, um, just a little dive bar studio type place. And then we're playing a little gig there. And it was like, all right, these guys are awesome. And that's kind of how uh, I got into them. So being able to see them all the way this year was phenomenal and they they they've gotten better in their live performances too like oh yeah i mean this year blew me away i'll be honest part of the thing i think to keep in mind is that the uh, the concert hall quote unquote isn't a concert hall it's it's designed for like business you know conference meeting type of thing so the acoustics aren't really set up for like face melting rock which is (laughs) Pretty much what you're going to witness with the proto men. So, Brian, did you get to see their performance of "In the Air Tonight"? Because that melted my heart. That <laughs> that was sick. You know, I was actually <sighs> I, okay. I was in the middle of leaving when they started that, and I went, "Nope, gonna stick around for that." I was actually yep. I, I was out of the main theater at that point. I was getting ready to go down the escalator and out, but I I heard that, and I'm like, first I'm like. Did Phil Collins just show up on stage? <laughs> and then I'm like, no, 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 no. This, that. I like this song. All right, that was entirely unexpected. Okay. Well, they do have their Queen uh, cover album, so which makes yes. a lot oh, more sense. Which, you know, for that band, it makes a lot more sense. I did not expect Phil Collins to be part of this post-apocalyptic. Uh, <laughs> Well, I remember the the last concert that they had at PAX East. They 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 stopped like their mid story of Act One, Act Two, and they just broke out into a Queen song. And you're just like, wait, what? The, where did that come from? And then you find out that the next year they weren't there because they were doing a tour in Europe covering Queen. So if you're able to go to a different continent and cover Queen and do, and I feel like when they came back this year, they had finally had some you know some very large tour dates. They had kind of gotten out there and when they came back they were ready to rock and they they were insane i had a good time because they're one of my first memories of pax and one of the reasons why i said you know what i have to start bringing friends to this um which is you know how i got brian alton jack and jen as my first crew pack in 2011 to go um and then when they were there this time i brought my brother and my Again, I, lo- I love my brother to death, but, he- but he's one of those guys who's like, oh, yeah, no, I-, I play some games sometimes. You know, I'm not like a gamer nerd or anything. Aww. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of people like that where, uh, and that, you know, totally fine. Where there's a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I play Call of Duty or I play just this game. So I'm not a- I'm not really a gamer, but I want to do that. So he had no idea what to expect. He heard there was concerts. He had no idea what was going to happen. Um, he missed Bit Brigade because he was in a Hearthstone tournament. He showed up for MC Front a lot for a bit. And then when Proto Man comes on, I don't know if he was going to like it or not. And I, I I say the same thing to everybody. I'm like, the Proto Men are an experience. You might are. not understand it the first time you see it. Because I've had people walk out of there and go, so did you like it? And they go, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what just happened. I mean, there's simply... like a week to think about this. Definitely a mix between like meatloaf, queen, and then maybe like a eighties <laughs> riffic. <laughs> but then there's also like a bit of not to the gore factor, but there's a bit of guar in there. There's a bit of like lordy in there because it's so theatrical. So like it's definitely right. it's like you got the kiss face paint on the whole time. 
Yeah, somewhere off. Yeah, there's Kiss in there too. Absolutely. Somewhere off stage, there's Jim Steinman writing lyrics. But anyway, uh, and, I mean, so I, I've gotten better for me, and I love their drummer, Shanna. I know I was trying to show you, like, when the drummer stands up on his own set and he speed jumps off to do the clash. Awesome. You know, they they love their performances. And like my brother, by the end of it, we were right up there with Reed, like right up there near the stage, just screaming out the lyrics to the last few songs. And so that was awesome for me because I don't have a lot of um, chances to hang out with my family much anymore. So having him there and then when, when this was this thing where I'm like, he's, maybe he's going to hate it. Maybe he's not going to hate it. Um, and he ended up finding out he was texting me on Sunday or Monday afterwards going, you know what? I'm so freaking surprised that out of everything I saw from Overwatch to the World of Warcraft panel to seeing all the all the cosplayers, to all that. The thing I liked most was an 80s band called Proto Men. And he's just like <laughs> cursing me out. And now his fiance, he listens to it at home and his fiance's like, what the hell are you listening to? And he goes, it's the Proto Men. Because, so they're great. And I'm so glad that they were back. And they I were believe in- your brother walked away from the con with their two Act 1 and Act 2 CDs, too. Yeah, so. we, we went up and we, we had them all signed. He had both albums entirely signed. He listened to them the whole car ride back on his own. So he, he definitely liked them. And they were fantastic this year. I always recommend that because, again... Uh, besides being able to see the developers and stuff like that at a convention like this, the other thing is to try new things. The pro are definitely an experience you're not going to get anywhere else. So, yeah, ab- absolutely not. So that was that was a that was a ton of fun. So you know, day one, <laughs> that that was it was already a jam packed thing, and we have two more days to go. I have one more. Uh, yes. <laughs> If that's cool. <laughs> so this took place post post concerts. Um, if anyone ever happens to go to the Westin next door afterward, basically there's a there's a hotel that connects to the Boston Convention Center, um, and they totally like have people just playing games all night. Like they just have this little open area sort of set up where people just play tabletop games all night. So after the concert, I went there to meet up with my husband and a couple of friends, and. Um, they also tend to, they have a bar there and they serve like, you know, drink with themes, with gamer themes like D&D delights and things like that. So I'm sitting there playing a couple of games with, you know, a couple of folks. And this is when we get approached, we get approached by drunken Ryu, kid in Ryu cosplay, who's obviously had a lot of fun at the bar. And <laughs> he wanders up. He's talking, he starts talking to us. We have no idea what he's saying. He starts throwing, like, we had a bag of pretzels. He starts, like, throwing pretzels around. And um, let's see, at one point, he, like, flopped on my shoulder, which which was kind of fun because my husband actually had to pull on me, like, you know, hey, that's my wife thing. <laughs> but the best part was that this kid wouldn't stop barking. I don't know if he was a DMX fan or what. <laughs> So, like, just imagine if you would a kid dressed up like Ryu running around like, (laughs) we're just sitting there like, what just happened? Who just ended up at our table? And I'm like, only at PAX would I end up, you know, at quote unquote, like sort of an after party sort of thing at Destin, you know, playing board games and whatnot with some friends and a drunken kid in a Ryu costume would come up and start barking at me. (laughs) God, that sounds like my bachelor party. So, Drunken Ryu, if you're out there, interesting night. <laughs> Alrighty. 
so with that, <laughs> I think we're going to take a slight break here, a little intermission, so you'll have some music, something probably from one of the PAX concerts, I'm sure. But day two and three are put in. Put on Protoman. Put on Protoman. Yeah, please put on Protoman. Please. <laughs> I want to hear it again. <laughs> you might. I mean, there's there's Protoman. There's VGO. There's you know there's a whole bunch of stuff there. So day two and three when we get back. So we'll cut out. You're listening to our PAX East 2016 recap episode on downloadable content. See you on the other side. Come for vengeance, for the first son of light. 